We have a powerful God. Amen? Hey, let's pray. Let's pray. Lord God, Lord, we say you are a powerful God. You are the God, the most powerful. And God, we rejoice in that. We rejoice that you, you're in charge. We rejoice, rejoice that the, the, the earth is your footstool, God. That you hold it within your hands. You hold all of us, God. You are all powerful. You are amazing. You deserve all glory, all honor. And God, this morning, we want that for you. We want that. We take everything off of us, God. Put it on you so that we can just enjoy you, God. Your, your word shows us. It opens our hearts to, to your eminence, to your power, your majesty. And God, we can, we can enjoy that, being in your presence, God. Opening your word, having your spirit who dwells in us, that we can then be given your word and knowing that it is alive and we can participate with it. And God, this morning with that power, we ask that you would do a mighty thing in our hearts. Oh God, you can change us. You can change a world. You could heal a hurt. You can mend a relationship. And Lord, you could solve all our problems. And so, God, we say thank you because we can look to you. And though they may not be solved here and now, we know that you're holding us tightly and you're guiding us through this because you hold all the power. So, God, we rejoice and we say thank you. In Jesus' name, as church said, amen. Please be seated. Thank you, Jason, worship team. That was so good. Yeah, I love worshiping. Students, don't you just love worshiping? Yeah, get out of here. Okay. I do. I do. I think it's fun, you know. Uh, it's such a blessing, you know. We're, we, we've talked a lot about some hard stuff in the past, and, you know, last week we talked on money. For those of you that missed, we're just expecting checks from you. And <laughs> No, seriously, you know, I'm so thankful you showed up because Claudio and I have this joke that I will preach this church down to 10, but you returned, so thank you so much. You know, it's fun because we're, we're going to talk about a topic today that's, that's hard, and we're going to talk about trials. And I think, how many of us have, have ever faced something hard in our life? Anybody out there other than me? Yeah, we all have. Whether you, you, you want to admit it or not, we face those, those hard times. But be, before we go any further, I want to share with you a little bit about what's going on in our church and, and, and how we're ministering. You know, we're all aware of what happened on October 7th and when Hamas attacked Israel. And we're, we're aware of the horrific things that happened. Well, we, we, we sponsor, we, we minister, and we support a church. It's called The Way. The congregation is the, called The Way. And, and that church is on the northeast, or excuse me, the northeast side of the Sea of Galilee. And, and we know that they are, they are faced with some hard times because a number of their young people had to go to war. And we know that they are, they are facing some difficult challenges and though they are on the side of Hezbollah, on the side where Hezbollah has shot rockets over their church in the past, and, and they know that they could face a two-front war, but Hamas is on the other side, and so they're a ways from it. But they're still facing some hard times. Pastor Yossi, his two sons are now serving in the military, and they are in harm's way. And one of those sons has a close friend of, who is a believer that was, that was hurt in Gaza, and it's, he, was, he was wounded by a booby trap in a tunnel there. And so they're afraid he might lose his legs. And we got an update that they are doing surgery on him today. So keep him in your prayers. 
They're, deal they're dealing with some hard things. And this church was a poor congregation as it was, and they would minister to people that were displaced by war, and now they're ministering to other families, and now they'll face more hardships because we know this war won't last a long, won't, won't last just a day. It'll go on for a while. And we know there's a lot of, a lot of ignorance out there going on, but we also know that, hey, there are some Christians out there that want to make a difference, and that church, the way, does. And so we, we support them. We know that they will need more financial support in the future, so we as a board, we got together and we decided to send them a substantial amount of money and from New Life because we believe that they need to minister to those that are in harm's way, but also those families that are left that don't have means anymore. And so we, we've given them the, the, those funds, and Pastor Yoshi, he keeps us surprised on different things of what's going on and, and how they're using the money. And right now, they are, they are doing care packages to those men and women that are serving. There are moms, there are, there are moms that are serving, husbands, children and daughters, sons and daughters that are serving right now. And, and so Pastor Yoshi wanted to share with you what's going on. And it's amazing as we watch this video that there's still joy there. See, they're believers in a land that doesn't believe in Jesus. And, and yet they still have joy as they minister. So please watch this. Shalom, dear friends and supporting friends from New Life. We really want to thank you from the bottom of our heart for your great uh, donation to our gift and for your great, for, for your prayers for us. This is our stage, our hall that we are having the meeting we just now finish our meeting and let me take you to the place that we are preparing the um, blessing, the, the cards that we are for, for the soldiers. So here is some people that are writing some cards and this is also what that we are giving to them. This is from Isaiah 41 verse 10 and this is from Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 8. Obvious that with this will come also the the parcel that uh, we organize for them. So again, thank you. God bless you. Amen. So we are supporting them, but not only that, we want to support them with our prayers as they as they minister, as they deal with a war that in their country. So well, let's just take a moment right now and let's pray for the church. Lord God in heaven, Lord, we lift up Pastor Yossi. We lift up those of the way congregation in this time of need, this time of hardship, this time of concern and worry. And God, we ask that you would comfort, but you would strengthen that church. And so in a, in a, in a nation that does not believe in you, Jesus, that you are the Savior, you are the Messiah, we pray, God, that they would be able to bring the gospel of your good news to those people. We also pray that those young men and women that are serving, that our believers will be able to be lights in that army, to be ministers of your gospel. We pray for protection over the church, over those people. And God, we ask that you would just end this war soon. We ask, God, that you would intervene. We ask, God, you would do a mighty work. And until that does happen, Lord God, let you be glorified. Let you be shown. Let you be seen as their Messiah. And God, bless that church. Give them strength. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, it's, it's interesting. So they're facing trials. They're facing some hard times. And maybe, maybe you are too. And you might go, well, I'm not in a war zone. But you know what? Our trials too are difficult. 
You might be faced with a, with a hardship of financial problems. Maybe it's a health concern. Maybe it's a relational issue or financial. You know, those are big things. Those are big things too. And, and, and though we may not be seeing it like they see it firsthand, you know what, our lives can be full of strife. And, and we have to learn how to, how to deal with those things. You'll see today's title is, is Facing Trials Patiently. Now, we don't like that word patiently. No one in an English-speaking nation likes the word patiently. We don't want patience. We want to get through them, right? We want the fastest way to get through our trials as we can. But sadly, they don't work on our timeline, do they? Trials that, you know, they go on, those hardships happen, and we can't do anything about them sometimes, but the, what we can do is, is face them as God intended us to face them. Now, you aren't unlike anybody else in the world. See, the world, it's a universal fact that everyone goes through hard times, whether you're saved or unsaved. You know, you, you, we face war, we face trials, we face the breakdown of the human body, the relationships, financial difficulties. It all happens to everyone. But Christian, you've got something more that happens to you. You've got a spiritual trial. You've got something that's out there that the world doesn't know. And Jesus reminds us of this, and he says it very plainly. <clears throat> out, of, out of John 15, in verse 18, it says this. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. See, the world doesn't want you. The world's going to come after you. So you've got a spiritual battle that the rest of the world isn't necessarily taking part in. They're just actually coming against you. I think of Pastor Schmidt from Victory Chapel over here in Glendale who was shot in the head for preaching the gospel on the side of a road over here. I mean, it's tragic. A young family guy. Because the world does not like Jesus. The world does not like his good news. And so the world's going to come at us in a variety of ways, and it's going to come at you in a variety of ways. And so we have to know how to stand. We've got to know what to do, how to face these things, because it's not fun. I wish it was all, you know, unicorns and daisies, but it's not. And so what, what, what are these trials for? You know, we always try to answer that. And we've, we've asked ourselves plainly, why, why do we face these things? And I love how St. Augustine said it. He said, trials come to prove and improve us. I think that's one of the best definitions I've heard of trials. They come here to prove who you are and to improve who you are as a believer in Jesus. That's what they're there for. Or you can look at jo Joyce Myers, how she writes about trials. She goes, sometimes trials can simply come simply to test and to purify our, our faith. That's true. We're on the same, same lines. And then we can see what Spurgeon has to say. It says, trials teach us what we are. They dig up the soil and let us see what we're made of. See, that's a, that's a great one, too. It sees who we are as believers. And so we, we know, hey, we're going we're gonna to face these trials. We know, hey, they're, they're inevitable. Are they going to shape us? What are they going to do to us? But the real question, the crux of the whole matter is, how do we get through them? How do we deal with them? How do we live through these things? We got to ask, well, I don't know. But I want to steer us to the 23rd Psalm. We just sang a song about it. And there's, there's a verse there that we can, we can take some solace in, that we can rest in a little bit more. And it's out in verse 4 of 23, Psalm. It says, even though, even though I walk 
through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There's a lot here that the reality is, you see right there, it says, even though you are going to do it, even though I'm in this valley, there's a reality there that you're going to be in the valley. Okay? And you may not be there, maybe you just got out of it, but there's a reality, even though. And then it says, I walk. See, this is, this is something that Christians miss out on. See, a lot, of, a lot of times, what do we do as Christians? When we get into the valley, we like to live there. How many of you do that? You know, we get in that valley and go, whoa, it's me, my life is over. I'm in the valley. Here's how I'm going to set up my tent. I'm going to get my cot, got my cooler. I'm just going to sit here. This is life. And you have the pity party going, my life is terrible. Well, welcome to the world, Right? But the sad part is, is the Christian that sits and lives in the valley. There is no living in the valley. What does it say? Walk. We are called to walk. You know, a lot of us, we want to sprint. You know, when you're sprinting through the valley of the shadow of death, sometimes you're going to trip a lot faster. Because you're not going to see perfectly. Because we see, it says, through the valley of the shadow of death. See, the shadow, remember when you were a kid? Shadows would scare you. Go, oh, there's something scary there. But the reality is, is what is a shadow? It's, it's something much bigger than the thing that it's casting from, isn't it? Looks like a monster. No, it's a, it's a mouse. And we get fearful of that. And so we're in the shadow of death. And a lot of people, the world fears the biggest thing is death. So they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to talk about it. Or, you know, I don't even want to go there. But the Christian, we don't, the shadow of death, death is just a little blip. So if you're worried about that, you know, that's not a big deal. Because real life truly begins once we escape the mortality of the body. And so we see, it says, in the shadow of death, and it says, I fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. God is with you in that trial. And so you can say, okay, God, you're here with me. I'm going to walk with you through this. Okay, and what happens? He goes, your rod. And what does the rod do? Well, you know what it does? It protects us. And the staff guides us. Man, that's what our God does. Sadly, a lot of us need a little bit more rod to get us going. Whack us on the rear end, say, get out of the valley, keep going. We need that. And so here our God is giving us a promise. This is what it's like. So how do we endure? How do we go through this, this trial? You know, okay, it's one thing, you know, I'm there, he's with me. How do I look at it? How do I process it? Understand this, you can write this down. In trials, anticipate the return of Jesus. Oh, this, this is such a good motivator. If a Christians, if Christians started thinking this way, we gotta go, hey, in the middle of this, Jesus is coming. You know what that says to you? It's not always gonna be like this. It's not always gonna be, you know, the bad things are gonna be happening. But not only that, you can go, hey, you know what? He's coming. Switch your mindset. He's going to be here. Whoa, what if he started living like that? Look how James put it. We'll go to, we'll go to James chapter 5. Look at verse 7, our, our key passage today. It says, therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. And then he gives us an example. And the farmer who waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient, 
about it until it gets to the early and late rains. So he starts off, he says, be patient. How do you be patient? Until the coming of the Lord. See, that coming, we always think, oh, he's coming soon. Here comes Jesus, you know, he's coming soon like Santa, right? Do you ever think, you know, maybe it's, it's a little bit more, you know, expected. See, another translation of that word coming is called the arrival. Man, you call up somebody, hey, you coming? Yeah. It's a little different saying, are you going to arrive? Yeah, soon. What's, what's the mindset like? Go, man, they're, they're going to be arriving soon, honey. Okay, oh, man, we got to iron that tablecloth. Let's get it going quick. Get out the thing. Put the dog in the backyard. You know, get ready, you know, because they're going to arrive. It's a more of an anticipation. It's more of a reality. That is what God is doing. He is going to arrive. And we forget that. Start. We don't live like, man, it, it, it's happening. That's how many Christians of the past have gotten through their trials and difficulties. They were expecting him to arrive at any moment. And so does the farmer. He gives us this great illustration of the farmer. And the farmer says, it says this, and the farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until he gets the early and late rains. So we see something here. He's giving us this example of a farmer. What does a farmer do? Well, he can't, he can't control the rain. So he gets, his, he gets his soil ready. He knows the rains are going to come. You know what? And so he prepares. That's what he does. I mean, what, remember our rain yesterday? Woo! I was not prepared. Man, you know, I'm out there moving my smoker. Got to get it out of where it was because that's where the rain just falls on it. It's terrible. And so you gotta, you're not ready for it. See, what, what a farmer does is he understands, he goes, okay, you know what? I've got to make sure the cisterns are ready so it can capture as much water as needed. I've got to make sure that, hey, you know what? If there's some erosion that's taken place in the past, I've got to shore it up so those plants can catch what they need from the rains. So he's working at it. He's prepared. He's not sitting back on his laurels. See, we see this in verse 8. It says, you too be patient strengthen your hearts for the coming of the lord see strengthen see you don't get stronger by by not doing anything you, you, if you don't exercise your muscle it's not going to get stronger it's going to become weaker and that's what happens to a lot of believers we become weaker and you know what satan doesn't care he's going great i don't have to worry about that one i guarantee you pastor schmidt you know, that, that was shot in the head over here. He, if he weren't out there preaching the gospel, he wouldn't have gotten shot because Satan wouldn't be worried about him. See, that's a reality. And we as Christians, we got to understand that we need to strengthen ourselves. We don't strengthen ourselves by being complacent. We strengthen ourselves by being about weeding the garden, shoring up who we are as believers, anticipating that Christ's arrival is imminent. Boy, that wouldn't that be amazing you know if we started living like it's tomorrow that jesus is coming back you'd be like going okay things i will not do things i will be doing because how does he want how do i want him to find me so you start shoring up your life that's what it's about look what jesus or excuse me what paul said to timothy second timothy 4 8 he says in the future 
There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. That's judgment day. He's going, I'm going to get a crown. And he goes, and look and listen to this. And not only me, but also all who have loved his appearing. So all those people will go, hey, you know what? Yeah, I loved his appearing. We like the first coming of Christ. That's a really good thing, right? We love that. I'm saved. But do you truly love his second appearing when he comes back for you? Now, most Christians, you know, we know the, the Christian way to say it as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Woo! But really, are you? Are you? Is your life ready for Christ to come back? See, that's where we got to check ourselves. Let, let, let's go to Romans here. In Romans chapter 8, verse 18, it says, For I consider that my sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that is to be revealed to us. See, Paul understood, going, you know what? My sufferings here, nothing. It's like a blip. You know, so often we kind of go, how's my life? You know, well, is it better than the hardships? We kind of measure it, going, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm, I, there, there's been some good times, and it, it's outweighed the bad times. My marriage, oh, you know, it's good. It's not weighed. We've had our difficulty. You know, when we get to glory, we're not going to even measure. We're going to look back and go, man, pfft, that is nothing. This is so amazing. That's what we're going to be looking at when we're with God. We're going to have this anticipation, and then it's going to be fulfilled, and we're going to be like, wow, and you're going to go, that was nothing. That's what the glory of God is. That's what heaven is. That's what we should be living for anticipating it because i tell you he knows how much you can handle he knows you're a child of god and he's got you in his palms and he's just like i got you in this that's why we have to understand that in trials recognize god's judgment man he is the best judge of you he understands exactly what you can handle. He has created you. He's put the things in your life to teach you, to guide you, to make you more like him. He knows you. And he knows that, hey, you know what? The trial that I give Tom Olson, that wouldn't do you any good. I'm going to give you something else. Because I want you to be developed. You can trust me in this. I, I, I have the best intentions for you. And we forget that. Look at verse, verse 9 of James chapter 5. It says, Do not complain. Oh, isn't that amazing? He just starts off with, Hey, you know what? I'm coming back. Get stronger. But what do we like to do as Christians? We like to complain. So he says, First of all, don't do it. Because it never does any good anyway. We always say that. Well, what good would it do? We like to say that. But you know, we're complainers at heart. When the hard times come, we complain. And then it goes like us a little bit deeper. It goes, brethren, against another, one another. So what do we like to do? We like to blame. It's her fault. No, it's my husband's fault. No, it's my brother's fault. It's his fault, her fault. We start doing that. It's the pastor's fault. It doesn't do anybody's good. We like to point blame. Why do we point blame? Because it takes the focus and places it on us. That's what it does. Look at me. Look at me in my valley. Oh, look at, yeah, oh, it's all their fault. I, I would have been a beautiful, wonderful person if it wasn't for her or him. And we say that. 
We all, oh, I don't ever mean it, but you're, you're taking the focus off of Christ. His return. See, he's going from this idea of being patient, look to Jesus, be, get your life squared away and strengthened, and don't complain. Because you're, you're taking your focus off of Jesus. Then he goes even deeper, and it says, so that you yourselves may not be judged. See, see, we bring judgment upon ourselves when we aren't living righteously as we should. See, when we start playing the blame game, going, it's all their fault, you know what? God is looking at you going, hey, you know what? You're not being the man or woman I want you to be. You've got to learn. Work through that. And then it keeps going. And it says, and the judge, behold, the judge is standing right at the door. Meet right there. There's someone go open the door, see if he's there real quick, you know. He's right there. That's how close he is. So he's saying, stop with the focus on you. Stop the complaining. Hey, you're in this now. Shore your life up. Get strengthened with it so you can endure. That's why Jesus, we got to understand how Jesus did it. How do you endure it? We see in Hebrews, he endured it by looking forward. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. We fix our eyes on Jesus, meaning he's our model, the author and perfecter of the faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So what did Jesus do? Did he look at the cross and go, oh, great. Tom Olson's sin has got to be nailed to me. No, he looked to the joy beyond the trial beyond the evil he looked beyond that and he said there's joy out there in church we we get the joy too remember your god his return his arrival is imminent and we got the joy ourselves let, let me encourage you with this verse and a lot of people they don't want to be encouraged with this verse but i like it second corinthians chapter 5 verse 10 it says we must all appear before the judgment seat of christ so that each one may be recommended for the deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now, this is not a judgment of sin. Jesus took care of sin. This is our judgment on how we performed, we lived out righteousness and what we were called to do. And he's going to point out, going, hey, you complain a lot. But it was her fault, Right? No, no, no. See, he's going to look at us, and don't you want him to say, ah, well done. Those trials, you looked at it, and you, you understood that, hey, you know what? My judgment for you was righteous. You, it really shaped you. And now, here, have an abundance. See, that's the joy we look forward to, the abundance. He's going to open us up and say, yeah, well done, good and faithful servant. Have, have ten cities. Oh, that's something, folks. There's joy there. Your God knows what you can handle and what you need. Let me put it to you this way to encourage you. When you see God's judgment in the midst of your trials, you can enjoy them patiently and with thanksgiving. His judgment going, he, he knows I can handle this. He knows I'm worthy of this. Whoa, there's a thought of our trials. He knows that he will not give me what I cannot handle. Though the world inflict me, God is still in charge. And we see that because we see examples that we can learn from. 
see, church, in trials, learn from godly examples. See, when you're in that hardship, even before that hardship, the best thing to do is learn from those men and women, those children, adults, listen and watch children, on how they endure and how they go forward in those trials. I think of a mentor of mine, Charles Van Kirk, Pastor Charles. You know, I, was, uh, I, was, uh, I, I knew him in high school, and it was kind of surreal that, you know, 20 years later, 15 years later, I asked him to mentor me I was a, as I was a younger pastor. And so through that year, we would meet together, and he's a big hiker and liked to go out into God's, God's cathedral, as we called it, and he just enjoyed it. That He was realizing he was having trouble breathing. He couldn't get to where he was going as easily as it once was. And so he went down to the, to the VA, and they found that he had lung cancer. And he, and he got it from the asbestos he was breathing in in the Navy. He never smoked. And he, we watched him deteriorate over that next year. And here Charles still gave glory to God. And he's with God now. God knew Charles was right on with him. And church, we, we can learn from people, from men and women who have endured just as, as we might have to endure. That's the joy, that's the wonder of being a believer and being in a family of believers. Look, look what James writes here in verse 10 and 11. He says, as an example, brethren, of suffering and patience. So here he's going to quote. So you know what? He goes, don't complain. Look to Jesus, and here's some examples of people that did this. He says, he says, take the prophets who spoke the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. Think of those people that came. You can look at the Word of God. Maybe you don't have a Charles Van Kirk. Maybe you're so blind you don't see other people in our church that are enduring. Look to God's Word, and you can see it. Think of, think of Daniel. He was cast into the lion's den for living righteously. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, same thing. That's a great story. Here these men said, yes, I'm going to persevere. I'm going to not forsake my God. Think of Hosea, who had a wayward wife, and he kept on going and getting her back and taking her out of the hands of other men and bringing her home, and he was still with her and honored that relationship. I think of Paul being pursued by Saul, yet not taking his life and knowing he, he, he needed to seek God out. Or Elijah, how Jezebel was pursuing to kill him with King Ahab, and yet he still went and sought God. Look at those examples. You go, well, they aren't perfect. No one's perfect. But they are some examples of imperfect people seeking God in an imperfect world for their help. That's what they're doing. And we can take solace and understand, knowing, hey, they did it. I can do it too. I can seek God out there as well. See, church, understand that you can be an encouragement to others in your trials. Do you ever look at it like that? You can be an encouragement to us in your trials. We, we want to pray for you, but those hard times, just as, as Pastor Yoshi, Yoshi is, he's, he's a testimony to us. He's still upbeat. He's, he's up for God's glory and not his. And we can, we can be learning from these people. So you guys are, okay, how do I do that? 
it's very simple. And I, and I wrote it like this. Our examples are people who look to God for strength during, or excuse me, before, during, and after their trials. See, what do we do? We shore up. We make sure, hey, we got the strength that we need to give God glory, and we got the strength we need beforehand so we are ready for when the monsoons come. We are ready when, when the bad things start to happen. We are already ready to go. We are strengthened so we can hold our own with Jesus in that valley as we go through it. That's what it's about. And then after, we are giving God the glory. That's how we do it. That's how you be an example. So maybe you're in it. Maybe you've got to change the attitude. Maybe you've got to change the attitude. And we, we have a wonderful example here. Look what it says in verse 11 now. It says, you have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. We, we know about Job. I mean, here Job is, he, he, he faced it hard. He had it all. He had, he had wealth. He had a big family. And what happened? The family was taken out. The wealth was taken out. He was struck with boils. And then what happened? His wife says to him, he goes, why don't you curse God and die? Why don't you just go, well, why didn't Job just go, what did, what did he say? Just, God, why don't you take my wife too, right? It's like, man, I need some encouragement here. His friends. They mocked him. I mean, I, you know, I'm sorry. You know, a lot of Christians going, I'm Job. No, you're not. Man. But you've got your own trials. You're not Job. You've got some hardship. Job was the extreme, sure. But what did Job say? We have to understand, through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God? He wasn't shaking his fist at God. He wasn't upset with God. He's like, I don't like it. I don't know why. And then he says, though he slay me, I will hope in him. There's no blame, but there's like that idea of going, I don't understand it. I don't like it. That's the reality. But I'm going to put my hope in him because I know there, there's no better. See, this is a great example. You, you know, a lot of Christians wonder, are they saved? And I tell you, this is a great way to see how are you in your trials? Because a lot of people that claim they're Christians, the going gets tough. They say, never mind, I'm out. I tried the Christian thing, and it didn't work for me. I'm, I'm going. I'm going to go try that Buddha thing, that New Age thing. That sounds better, right? They weren't never saved. They didn't have the Holy Spirit within them. Now, there are some Christians that just go, I'm done. Because why? They didn't strengthen themselves. And then they sit in the valley, and they live in the valley, and they wallow in the valley instead of walking through the valley. Is that you? We can't sit back and say, woe is me. That's not a Christian. That's not what a Christian's called to do. We can rejoice in Romans 8, 28. We know that God causes all things to work together for good for those that love 
God and those who are called according to his purpose. Oh, it doesn't say, oh, we, we love it. We love God. We know his purpose is here, but we know, you know what, looking to Jesus, it's only for a short time because Christ's arrival is almost here. And the reality, too, is, you know what, I'm not going to complain because I'm going to see him. What am I going to say? Sorry, that last few bit, little blip, you know, right before you came. Yeah, that was a whiner. You know, you don't want to do that. So, no, I want to I see him and I want to rejoice in him. See, God's the righteous judge. I, we forget this, you know. Think of Eve in the Garden of Eden. You know, what does she do? She didn't trust God's judgment. She didn't trust God. She said, I want to be God. I want it my way. That's why she took a bite. She didn't think God was, had the capacity to truly understand that, his, that she knew, when, uh, that, that he knew better than her. You see, that's, that's what we forget. God's judgment is key. And so we can grab hold of that and we can see it through godly examples and we can see the, the other side of the coin too through people that made the mistake of not trusting. And church, but we can understand something wonderful. In trials, focus on building your character. See, we get an opportunity to build this, build who we are, prepare ourselves for the future. See, that's what it's about. See, we, we, are, we are gearing ourselves up for the true life. We are gearing ourselves up for what we are going to be, what we're going to be doing. That's why the return of Jesus is to have be on our mindset because this is, this is only temporary. Remember, I say it a lot, but I love saying it, is this is as close to hell a Christian will get. This is your hell. And if you're a non-believer, this is as close to heaven you will get unless you change that. And so James gives us this verse after saying all these things about patience. He, goes, he says, verse 12, and it's very interesting because people kind of go, why is it there? Is this a tack on? Look what it says. But above all, so now he's talking about in your trials, be patient, and above all, so all of this, my brethren, do not swear, nor either by heaven or by earth, or by any other oath, but your yes is to be yes, and your no, no, so that you may not fall under judgment. What, what, what's that? We're talking about this and then this? What's he saying here? He's basically saying, we need to have integrity mean what we say live what we believe and profess see we got to be men and women that that are men and women of character build your character because what, what do you do when you're in a trial so often you know you're in the foxhole and the bombs are flying overhead and you're sitting there going god if you just get me out of this i will never swear again i will give you 90 percent of my paycheck like the pastor was saying you know we make deals by your name lord i'm going in the ministry that's the worst thing you could do pray about that one See, that's a lot of those things we kind of make deals when it's bad oh god i'm gonna do it no 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 See, oaths were very, a big thing. You just read the Old Testament. Oaths were key. They bound you. And now James is talking to, to Jews, and he's saying, to converted Jews, he's saying, hey, you know what? Don't bother with that stuff. Be a person of integrity. In this trial, you can grow. You can trust your God. That's what it means to do. 
See, church, understand, the purpose of suffering is the building up of godly character. That's what it's about. Just like Augustine says, says it improves and it proves who you are. That's what we need to be. People of sound character. You're not running for the hills. You're going, I'm a follower of God. I'm going to go for it no matter what. I love Jesus, and you know, it's not working for me right now, but I'm not going to forsake him. That's what a Christian does. That's a testimony to the world. That's a testimony to your soul, not giving up. That's what we believe here. That's why we say very plainly in our mission statement, know Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. That's what we're about. Jesus, what did he do? He's, he despised the shame of the cross, but he looked to the joy set before him. Church, yeah, we can despise the shame, the hurt, but we look to the joy set before us, knowing that our God is walking with us. Let me encourage you before we go here. I want to read out of Romans chapter 5 and verse 3, and it says, And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, meaning there's joy. Why? Knowing that tribulation brings perseverance, meaning there's your strength. And perseverance, proven character. That's who you are. And proven character, hope. That's the expectation of what God is going to do. And hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. See, the Holy Spirit is within you. And He's given you these things. And when you persevere, you, you get this hope. And you know it because the Holy Spirit is, is pouring out the ability for you to endure because you know you have a good judgment of character through your Lord Jesus. He knows what you can handle. And you go, okay, God, I'm in it. I'm in it to win it. I don't like it. But to you be the glory. Because, by the way, can you come back soon? Can you please? I want you now. And until he does, we remember what the psalmist said, David. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no if evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your, 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 your staff, they comfort me. <sighs> you can do it. Walk with him. Let him guide you. Let him protect you. And let your hope and joy Lord God, Lord, I thank you so much for, for giving us hope, for giving us joy, the expectation of one day being with you. Let us live in that expectation, knowing that this trial of life, whether difficult, whether it seems that we can't endure, we know it won't last for forever. And God, when we're faced with those times, help us, Lord God. Help me, Lord God, as we know we can trust you. And so, God, we give it to you. We need to surrender ourselves and say, you, God, it's all about you. To you be the glory. I pray that for this church, that we would do that. God, I lift up those that are struggling right now. You know what they need. I pray for strength. I pray for comfort. You gave compassion, and you were great, God, of mercy with, with Job, and you can do, and will, you will be the same with us. Thank you for that in advance. And God, for those that don't know you that are sitting here, I pray, God, that they would, they would seek you out so they can experience joy and hardship. 
expectation in hardship, compassion in hardship, and mercy in hardship. Lord, I pray that they would say, Jesus, save me. Because there's nowhere else, and I know you're the one that is the sound judge. You are the one that will save me. Ask him to come into your life. God, as we go forward, I pray that you would just be glorified in each of our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name.